Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of influencer marketing and branded content agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Bradley Benner, the co-founder and senior partner of Semantic Mastery, an online SEO and semantic web training and educational site providing proven real-world results-oriented training and business development tools. He's also the founder of consulting firm Big Bamboo Marketing, where he provides digital marketing solutions for small businesses. Bradley is a self-proclaimed digital marketing addict with a passion for web design, SEO, and social media. And today we're going to talk about why processes, automation, and outsourcing for scaling an online business are a must and how to simplify your business model for rapid growth along the way. We'll learn what's worked from Bradley's experience, what maybe could be avoided, and where people are just missing the mark. Bradley, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Stacey. I'm glad to be here. Well, super excited to have you because scaling is something, as we were talking about before the show, it doesn't matter the size of your business or how many years you've been in business. It affects absolutely everyone. It just, it, it you can approach life as a, entrepreneur or a business owner and jump in and try to do too much and it can go sideways. So what I'd love to do is start having you talk a little bit about your background, what got you to where you are today, and we can dive right into the conversation. That sounds great. And uh, once again, I appreciate you having me here. And yeah, so scaling is absolutely something that's a challenge for all types of businesses, no matter what size they are. And uh, I've experienced that in my own businesses uh, as an entrepreneur for pretty much most of my adult life. And I've had multiple businesses and I've hit in several different parts of my businesses, you know, a plateau or a, uh, a glass ceiling, so to speak. And it's because of trying to do too many things all at once or not putting processes and systems into place. And so a little bit about my background is I got started in digital marketing in 2010. And uh, for the first couple of years, I really was just learning about SEO, search engine optimization and how to get stuff to rank in Google because that's where a lot of traffic comes from, still does today. And for the first two years, I, I really learned how to build simple websites, and I got into doing maps marketing and things like that. So essentially local business-type websites and uh, Google Maps listings and that kind of stuff, trying to figure out a way to generate leads, primarily for contractors. I've got a contracting background. I used to be an electrical contractor. So uh, I, I feel comfortable in that space and I know how valuable leads are to contracting businesses, but you know, that, that goes for just about any sort of local business or even any business period, right? Leads are very, very important. And so I wanted to learn how to generate leads from Google. And the first two years I did that, I, I just built websites on my own that then once I would get them to rank and start producing leads, mainly phone calls at that point, then I would go contact business owners in that particular industry, in that particular area, and try to sell them the leads or lease them the assets that I had built, the web properties. Um, so essentially, it was a results in advance type of deal. You know what I mean? I would, I would call them and say, look, I've got leads coming in for your particular products or services in your local area right now, and I need somebody to take these leads. Would you be interested? 
You What's removed that? all risk from everyone, basically. People basically. buying into your purchase, they knew you were going to deliver. Correct. And that was that was good for a couple reasons. Number one, you know, if I was to just come right out of the gate trying to sell marketing services, I had no credibility. You know, I didn't have any portfolio of, of you know, under the normal circumstance, I wouldn't have had any proof to show that I was knew what I was doing and could get results. It would be like, hey, Mr. Business Owner, I promise if you just give me $1,000 a month in the next three months, I, I will probably get you results. You know, that's kind of a, a, a terrible way to start a, a conversation with a prospect. <laughs> so I, I learned how to generate leads first and then approach the prospect. And uh, after about two years of doing that, I had gotten pretty good, pretty good at it. And I was able to get consistent results from the properties that I would build. But because I dealt mainly with contractors and I live in Virginia, during the winter months, it would slow down and my revenue would, would dip because of that. And I really wanted to start building more of a reliable or consistent income. So in 2012, after I'd had enough experience and enough of a portfolio to pr pr prove that I knew what I was doing and to be credible, that's when I started my own agency, which is Big Bamboo Marketing. Um, and that's essentially an SEO and local marketing agency. And I started to provide my services or offer my services on a, the traditional client agency relationship. And I uh, built up several different clients from, you know, all different kinds of business industries, um, business verticals, not just contractors, but all different types. And then in 2013, I actually joined a mastermind, a high level mastermind with some other marketers uh, and I started an accountability group, a weekly accountability group via Google Hangouts, where we would just get together with, you know, 10, 15 of us and, and hold each other accountable, share what was working in our businesses, what wasn't working and that kind of stuff. And within about several, within several weeks, a few of us were constantly or consistently the ones that were sharing. And most other people were just showing up and consuming, you know, there to listen and, and to take what we had to share. And so we realized very quickly that, what we were sharing was actually more valuable than the mastermind host, you know, the host of the mastermind program. Yeah. And so we decided that we wanted to start our own digital marketing, coaching, consulting, uh, product development type business so that we could teach our methods to others. And so in 2013, we started uh, Semantic Mastery, which is the company that I'm representing today. And we started providing done, or excuse me, uh, pro information products, weekly training series, uh, started developing done for you services. So digital marketing services for our, our students and our members and such. And, and 2000 and at the end of 2013, in October of 2013, we started, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, October, 2014. So about a year into it, we started our weekly hangout series, which is our weekly Q and a webinar series. It's hosted on YouTube and we call it hump day hangouts. It's every single Wednesday at 4 PM Eastern. And it's a free series that it's, you know, it's a one hour long show. People can come and ask any sort of question about digital marketing that they want and we answer it. And we've been doing that consistently since October of 2014. So just a little, almost four and a half years now. And that has been something that's been huge for us as far as growing our audience, getting our name out there, building our brand, mm -hmm. uh, and also providing us with the information from our audience as to what they need you know, like the, the types of training that they need and that kind of stuff, because we interact with them on a weekly basis. And just as you know, with a podcast, it's a consistency is critical. Um, you know, having that regular consistency and always being there really helped to get our name out there. And so our little space, I call it a, a small corner of the web, you know, some uh, 
internet marketing for local businesses and local SEO and that kind of stuff is, is kind of a small corner of the web, but it's a, it's a, it's an important one. And I feel like we've done fairly well at, at providing a name or produce, um, building a name for ourselves. So and it's certainly a need that smaller businesses truly do need to have to get an understanding of this. That's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. All right. So you love processes. You are a systems guy. So why are processes and systems really the backbone to making all things work for a company? It's a great question. Well, as, you, as we started mentioning earlier, uh, scaling. In my own business, as a solopreneur, which I know a lot of people can relate to that, uh, when I got started, as I mentioned, from 2010 to 2012, I was doing absolutely everything on my own. And in fact, from even when I started my agency in 2012, I still did everything myself. So I would do all the prospecting and sales. I would do all of the fulfillment of the marketing services, all the SEO work, the content production, you know, everything that we had that had to be done for my clients, I would do because, again, as a solopreneur, I think I felt like nobody could do it as good as me. You know what I mean? You were the guy. Yeah, yeah, you're the guy. You got it. You're you're working. Right. You're here to serve. You're delivering, and no one can do it better than you. That's right. And I was good at what I did. So I thought, you know, that the only way that I could produce the results consistently was to be, be the one that did them. And, uh, but what happened was, you know, I reached a point where there's only so many hours in a day, and I got to a point very quickly, especially when I opened my agency and I started taking on clients. I got to a point very quickly within a year where I was literally working 14 hours a day, seven days a week. And I couldn't, even though the money was good, I had no time to enjoy it. Uh, I could not take on any more clients or, or increase my revenue beyond that point. So I had to learn how to outsource or how to build systems and processes and to automate and that kind of stuff. And, and what's funny is there was a, there was a, uh, a really high level, weekend seminar for digital marketers that was in Phoenix, Arizona, that I paid $20,000 to go to. Only 20,000. That was yeah. it. Yeah, it, it, was only, was not, and it wasn't worth it. it was, you know. <laughs> well, the funny part about that story is I picked up a book by Sam Carpenter, I think it is uh, called work the system. And I bought it on Kindle for nine 99 to, to read on the flight to Phoenix from Virginia. <laughs> and I read half of it there on the way to Phoenix and in half, I finished the book on the way back. And I got more from that $9.99 book from, on Kindle <laughs> that helped me grow my business than the $20,000 seminar that I went to. Yeah. <laughs> and, not, yeah, it happens. Yeah, and it was crazy. And, uh, and I, I love telling that story because it's funny how something so you think is so insignificant can have such an impact on your business and your life, career, whatever. Um, so long story short, that, that book really taught me that I could, the, the, the author, I could relate to what his story was. And that was, you know, I, I was saturated. I could not take on any more work. I was always putting out fires, so to speak, playing whack-a-mole, you know? And uh, so anytime I thought that I was going to start expanding into new areas or you'd take on new clients, something would come up and I wasn't able to. So I learned that I had to start letting go and delegating, learn how to delegate work. And the only way that I knew how to do that was to uh, start developing processes for my own work. So documenting what I was doing and putting it in a very linear step-by-step -step fashion so that I could hire somebody else either in-house or a virtual assistant. I work as a digital marketer, so I do almost everything virtually. Okay. So I was able to hire uh, inexpensive labor from, you know, like the Philippines, for example, or overseas, period, that I could then hand my process docs to and my training videos to 
and have them learn my processes to do it exactly the way that I did them because I would just document exactly what I did. It would be me narrating the tra training video and yeah. me recording or uh, typing out on just Google Docs what my processes were in a very step-by-step -step fashion. And I learned after a few months, um, it's funny, the first, the first process that I developed was for building what I call syndication networks. And that's essentially web 2.0 and social media properties that you can syndicate or broadcast your content to, whether it's from a blog, a YouTube channel, a podcast, you know, whatever the case okay. may be, it's a way it's content amplification really. Um, and syndication networks were a big part of a foundation of my business for my clients, as well as I was earning revenue from selling syndication networks, which I was building all myself. And it would take me, which I was really proficient at it, take me five or six hours to build a syndication network. And so that was one of the first things that I learned how to outsource and develop process docs for. But I, as I mentioned before, I had 14 hours a day that I was managing client work. So when I decided that I was going to learn how to outsource and, and build these and create these processes uh, so that I could outsource the, the work and unload it to other people, um, I literally had to give up two hours of sleep per night. And that's what I said. I said, I'm going to give up two hours of sleep per night to work on these process docs until I get it done. And it took me four months <laughs> to get it done. And oh, I was like a zombie. But what was great about it was once it was done, I hired two virtual assistants full time right off the bat. And I handed them those process docs and training videos. And I haven't never had to build another one of those syndication networks still since. And that was in 2014. And I still have those two virtual assistants still work for me today. So um, and I've actually built, you know, semantic mastery. We actually provide that as a service done for you syndication networks for our members. And so, and we've got a whole team now that builds them, which is incredible. So, you know, that's when I realized the power of building processes and systematizing stuff, outsourcing stuff and also automation. Right. And so from there, like I said, I, I really started trying to develop processes for everything that I could in my business. And fortunately, my partners, I've got four partners at Semantic Mastery, they're very process oriented as well. And so, you know, we get good at a particular method or whatever it is that we are trying to implement in our business, we, we learn how to master that on our own first. And as soon as we get to a point where we're, we have uh, something that's repeatable, we can get re results, repeatable results yeah. from them. That's when we build a process around it, try to systematize it and either delegate it or automate it. And then we move on to the next one. That sounds so easy. And yet I know it's not really that $20,000 seminar got you to read that book that led you to where you're at today. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. I didn't think about it that way before. But it yeah, is. Right. You paid $20,000 to have the opportunity to read the book and sure. to buy yourself the time of that flight. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. You made it sound really easy. I, I just know from doing this myself that it takes a little bit more than just not having two hours of sleep. And it also takes obviously having people in place that you can count on, but um, it does boil down to just getting everything at first written down. Correct. So is that the first step that you would suggest to people to just list and write down absolutely everything that they are doing to get a task done? And is it as simple as writing it or should they be doing video recordings? And are there any tools they should be using to help them with this? Great questions. And so I don't like to write. Uh, so I, I always went to video first. And, and part of that was because, you know, I, I, I like to just fire up a screencast recording. You know, uh, I use Snagit or whatever, any, anything, Camtasia, whatever you want to use, but fire up a screencast 
and then just perform the process that I was going to do anyways. But I narrate it while I'm doing it. So I get very descriptive into, you know, go here, click this button, you know, or click this link, um, select this from the dropdown. Then in the next field, in this text field, enter this information. And I narrate like that through the videos so that then once I'm done with that video, I can go back and, you know, upload it to YouTube or whatever the case may be and press play and then start basically transcribing. Or I could send it to a transcriptionist. Now, to be honest with you, I still write most of my own process docs. I've hired transcriptionists in the past to do it, but they don't quite format them the way that I like them to. Um, something else that I could outsource was train a VA to do that for me, a virtual assistant to do that for me, but I like to have it done now. So I still do produce a lot of my own process docs, but I got really good at doing it and very efficient at it. So what I like to do, like I said, first is just record it and narrate it with a very descriptive narration. Um, and then I go back and then I just use Google docs. Um, you know, I've tried a lot of the different types of tools out there that can help with the process of creating process docs. Process street is one of them. There's, there's a lot of them out there. Um, but I've always fallen back to just Google Docs because it's easy to share and collaborate with my virtual assistants or the people that I delegate, my team essentially. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, and, and again, I, we just use uh, YouTube as our hosting for it. Um, it keeps our, you know, cost down and it, it's just simple and it's, it's consistent. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the problem with like when we do a lot of things and you upload them to like a Dropbox or, you know, Box or something along those lines. There's not an easy way. It gets kind of lost in folders and time inside of folders, inside of folders sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I get why YouTube would be easier. And then I'm assuming that you keep those private. So it's login. It's not a public um, forum that you're posting to YouTube. At least unlisted. And so Mm -hmm. typically what we do is like the first step in the process doc will be the training video link. Okay. And then from that, it'll be all the actual step-by-step, like very linear process, you know, step one, step two, step three. Um, But as far as, you know, it, it, it's not an easy process. It might sound easy, but it's not, it's tedious. And I got to be honest, uh, it sucks. It's not, it's not fun, <laughs> but, but it's necessary. And the thing that I've always said, especially to our students or our, our, our members is if you think that it sucks to create process docs, doesn't it suck more to have to do that process over and over and over again, because you're too lazy or unwilling to train somebody else how to do it. It is a tedious process, but the the benefit is you do it one time and you practically never have to do it again at that point. Does that make sense? Totally. And the problem is that we've experienced our own agency is when it's word of mouth processes and someone's training someone and then someone else is training, you know, two years later I bought back in and I'm like, Oh, what are you guys doing? And I realized that they've skipped things that to me were fundamental, super important things to get done along the way just because it didn't translate in the word of mouth training mm-hmm. because it wasn't written down or on video in black and white for someone to be able to refer to every single time that job changed hands. Yeah. That's like playing the game telephone. You know? it, is. <laughs> it is. And and here's something else about that. Um, what I've learned over the years is when I first started developing process training, I would, I, I wouldn't want my virtual assistants or whoever I delegated the work to whoever was in training, I wouldn't want them trying to modify their processes. Like I wouldn't want them veering off course, so to speak. And I would tell them this is exactly how I want it done. And, you know, just follow the process period. And that works really well for training somebody initially. But what I found is that once you've delegated the work, those, whoever's going to be doing that process is usually typically going to be doing that process over and over and over again to the point where they're going to find ways to make it more efficient. 
yeah. to either combine steps or eliminate steps altogether, or they'll find other tools or things like that that can help them to become more efficient. And so where I was so rigid in the past, because I thought my way was the best way and the only way, I've learned that if I empower my assistants or my employees, or whatever the case may be, if I empower them to put some, uh, contribute to the process, try to streamline and improve the processes, all I ask that they do is when they find something or uh, you know something that they think is better, then to just approach me with it, send it to me and say, hey, what do you think about this? I'll review it. And I'm, typically at that point, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, let's go ahead and update the process doc. And then I task them to update the process doc so that yeah. I don't have to do it. Yeah. And then what happens is they act, they seem like they're, they get so much more engaged in the process themselves. And um, I think it empowers them to, to, to know that their, their opinion is respected as opposed to just being like a machine. Right. No. And that makes absolute sense. Um, just so you know, if you haven't done this before, and I know you don't like writing notes so much, um, we use a transcription service called Rev, R-E-V.com. Very familiar. And yeah, it has higher, for all of you listeners, it has actual higher capabilities than some of the other platforms out there that are a lot cheaper. Like we also use Temi for transcriptions on calls where we just want to have general notes from what our clients were talking about. But Rev does a little bit more because they actually have a person who gets involved in fine reading everything too. So that helps. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we transcribe our weekly hangout uh, every single week through Rev. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's an hour long. And so it's, it, it can be rather expensive, but we multipurpose our content. And again, I've got a whole team that does this for me now, but we take our one hour weekly webinar series, Hump Day Hangouts. And because it's a Q&A, we break out the individual questions and answers. We have a video editor that literally takes the, the video and breaks out the separate individual YouTube uh, or questions and answers and uploads them as separate videos to our channel. If you go to youtube.com slash semantic mastery, we have thousands of videos and it's, it's insane. We got a graphic design. Again, these are all processes that we built. So right. it's all automated now. Like we do the webinar and the very next day we have our content uh, developer who, who actually extracts the questions and answers. Well, it gets sent to Rev via Zapier, <laughs> you know, a zap. So it automates oh, it. That's perfect. You've even, yeah. you've automated that because we yeah. still have someone manually sending to Rev. That's brilliant to use Zapier. Yeah, it's great because again, my, my one of my partners, Adam, he was a he was a systems engineer, and so he's like the automation king. He yeah. automates everything. It's awesome, and uh, so you know it gets sent directly to Rev, and then Rev transcribes it. Our content marketer, she goes in and she she literally um, edits the video out to the separate questions and answers, and then when we get the content back, she extracts the text format and puts that in the video description. It up, uploads to YouTube, then it gets put as a blog post on our blog. So we have all these individual questions and answers on our blog. We have a graphic designer that creates the thumbnail image for it, which also becomes the featured image on the blog. It's just it's just incredible what we've built over the years to just automate all this stuff or, or create systems around it, you know? Right. And you're able to profit off of the content that you literally just created one time. That's correct. In multiple That's different formats too. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. That's great. Congratulations on that. Cause that is something that a lot of businesses do not scale well at, at all. And I talk to other agency owners all the time and they just look at me dumbfounded because, you know, we take our blogs, we turn them into podcasts, we turn them into uh, eBooks, we turn them into video chats, Quora questions, all sorts of different things. And they just look at me and their eyes glaze over and they're like, you have to have a full team of like 10 people to do all these things. And you don't once you kind of break it down and you have designated roles. 
which is exactly what, uh, you know, I, 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 I was kind of writing out what I was, wanted to talk about today. And that was one of the things was, uh, you just mentioned, you hit the nail on the head. You said that when you start to describe how you can take a piece of content and turn it into multiple different formats so that you can use it to generate more traffic from a much larger audience, much broader audience, because people consume content in different ways. But as soon as you mention that to most companies or businesses, they, their eyes glaze over, like you said, and they like, it's like, oh, it's overwhelming. <laughs> but really the, the key is to master one thing at a time. And that's the key. And that's, you know, ask me how I know, <laughs> because <laughs> I have tried to do, you know, I think we all have, all business owners go through where they, they become overwhelmed with trying to do too many things all at once. Whenever you try to do too many things all at once, none of them get done well. Right. And the, the, goal, the goal is to get one, uh, what I've learned over the years, and it's hard as an entrepreneur, I always see opportunity. I'm, I'm sure we all do. And so I always think, well, I got to be doing this, 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 and this because it, it looks amazing and it could do this and this and this. But the problem is I never get any traction in any one area if I'm spread too thin. So I've learned over the years to just choose one thing, get good at it, master it, systematize it, turn it into a process delegate it or automate it or both a combination of both and then move on to the next piece or component of it you know so and you're really good at not getting distracted by shiny sparkly objects uh more so recently i've gotten better at that but um no i can tell you right now i've had shiny object syndrome just a, a, a terrible case of it just as as most people do <laughs> but i've learned over the years that that is nothing that does nothing but detract from your business you know okay. what i mean that's awesome. Okay. So you've just given some great tools and suggestions on how to start scaling. What's the next step beyond that? Of everything that you've talked to, what does someone do next? Well, beyond the process doc, uh, you know, process development. Um, I think the next part is, you know, hiring, hiring and training. Um, and then obviously learning how to manage and that's a whole nother beast <laughs> to deal with. Um, you know, we've actually developed a process for hiring. Uh, we call it an outsourcing funnel. And so, and, and, it, and it's really cool because, you know, we basically will set, most of our assistants are in uh, overseas. We've got assistants all over the world in different countries. Um, and I've got, you know, we've got employees here in the state, you know, in the U.S. as well. But um, we developed a, a funnel for hiring where essentially we post a job on whatever platform it is and people come to apply and then it's all automated through canned email responses that, you know, it gives them specific instructions, sends them to a Google form, a Google, a Google form that's a series of tasks that they must, must complete. And essentially all I'm trying to do is find out if they can follow directions. And obviously the, the type of tasks that we ask them to complete are going to vary depending on what kind of job it is that we're trying to fulfill um, or fill, excuse me. Um, but what we do is we end up having them go through two stages of these, this, hiring funnel or these series of tasks in two different stages. And it's really to determine, first of all, it, it, it eliminates a lot of the people that are lazy, the tire kickers. It, it, okay. So that we only end up with people on the second, the output side of the, the second um, task funnel really uh, are people that are motivated. They're ambitious. They can follow instructions. So that they didn't follow instructions. We'll know it from their answers on the tasks that we've set forth. And then we, at that point, then they're good candidates for the interview. Um, and so we've even got, you know, I've got one of my team members that does all the interviewing now. And it's great because it, you know, we, it, it, I mean, this is like clockwork. We might get a hundred people to apply on the front end to send the first email to, you know, request 
to, to uh, apply to the job, excuse me, mm -hmm. might get 100 applicants on the front end. But by the time they get through that first funnel, there's like 40. Right. <laughs> so it eliminates like more than like 60% right yeah. off the bat. Then by the time the second series of tasks, they get put through that. And again, this is all automated. Um, the emails and everything go out just depending on uh, how they came through. Anyways, by the time they get through the second funnel, there might be 15 people left, maybe, maybe a dozen to 15. So it goes from like 100 to 40 to like 10 to 15. And then we end up setting up the interviews. And, and very specifically, the process that we have for interviewing is at that point, we're looking for communication skills. It's not necessarily, they've already proven they can follow instructions and that they're ambitious. They want the job. So then it's really about the interview process. We go through about a 30 minute interview process per applicant, but it's really just to see how they communicate with us. If it's a strained communication or if their English is broken, depending on where they're at. Um, and, and mostly this is just a text-based interview via Skype or Slack or something like that. Um, but if it's forced, if there's a lot of delay between questions and answers and things like that, that we know that it's going to be hard to communicate with them as an employee or as a, as a virtual, a contract employee. Right. So, um, you know, then we just end up usually offering the jobs to the, the applicants that had the best communication skills at that point. And so, you know, the, the first part is that, which is hiring, learning how to hire so that you can delegate. That's hard in itself because, again, a lot of our members um, have come through and, and, and they hear us talk about this. And we have a, a training product specifically that, that teaches how to build these funnels and everything. And they'll come through and they'll say, well, you know, we hear horror stories, as I'm sure you have, of people that have tried to outsource and they've just had terrible re, re, uh, results, right? They had virtual assistants that just didn't show up or that did terrible work and all that kind of stuff. And in part, it's because you didn't screen them properly on the front end. And it's so time consuming if you go the traditional route. If you try to screen, you know, 100 applicants, you're never going to find a good one or it's going to be very difficult to. So. Yeah. You're going to quit before you actually get in, and then you're going to have a smaller pool that you're looking at. It's not going to be the top of the top. And we have not only gone down this path where we have ended up with non-qualified, you know, employees, but the worst of the worst has happened where it's been, you know, you hire on someone who is a bad employee, and all of a sudden time suck, like no other and it's not always easy getting rid of them it's not just a click and oh they're gone i mean it once someone's with you for a little tiny bit and they're still not the best one it's a zap on your entire system yeah yeah especially when they have access to critical documents and all that kind yeah. of stuff you know yeah so so that you know that's what the first step is is to really learn how to turn the hiring process into a process systematize right. the, the, the hiring end of it and then you know another thing is don't hire people until you have process processes place. developed. Yeah. That's another common mistake we hear all the time is people say, Oh, that sounds great. And they go out and hire people. And then they come to us and say, well, I can't keep ahead of them. I can't keep them busy. I can't, you know, I hired them full time, but I can't keep them working. And I, well, yeah. did you have processes in place before you put them to work? <laughs> right. so, you know, have the processes first. That's why I recommend doing that. As a, as a uh, moment ago, you mentioned, the, the kind of like the telephone method verbally, that's, that's something else that uh, uh, kind of a little bit off topic, but I feel it's important to, to mention that, you know, one of the things that I experienced in my own business was not being able to be confident and being able to repeat results for specifically for like SEO and getting stuff to rank in Google, for example, I would test all different kinds of things, but I wasn't able to get, uh, you know, I, I might get results here on one particular property, but the next time I would attempt it, I wasn't sure what I did 
to get those results. And so I test a whole bunch of other things. And so it was difficult to have build confidence to know that you can get repeatable results. That's again, developing those processes, you document everything, then you can identify immediately like, hey, this worked, all I have to do is repeat this again. And I've got it, you know, it turned into a process. So once you have those processes, then that's when you can decide to start hiring uh, mm -hmm. so that you can keep ahead of your virtual assistants or your employees, depending on how you hire them. And then after that, it's about managing. Now, that's something I've struggled with is the actual management part of it. Um, I'm not the best manager in the world, but, you know, I, I, and I think there's, there's, there's leaders and managers or there's visionaries and managers type thing. And I'm there's more the vision. Yeah, you're a visionary versus an integrator. Correct. Yeah. And that, that's a good, that's a good point or a good way to look at it. And, and that's something that I've struggled with. So I've learned that I can get people excited about an idea and get them to want to join my team. And I can, and I develop all the training for, all, for pretty much everything we do. Um, right. But when it comes to actual management of the team, I've learned to kind of remove myself from that process as much as possible because it's not something I'm good at. So, and that again is a whole different beast. Um, I think it takes a special breed to be able to integrate, as you just mentioned, and manage a team and make sure that everything's running efficiently and smoothly. Have you read the book um, Traction? Correct. Uh, uh, Gene Whitman. Gene right? yeah, Gene? yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. all about visionaries, integrators, and how to actually have the right people, right butts in the right seats in your company. Right. And one and, neck to choke and all that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And it, it, it was like eye opening when I read that book and um, it makes a big impact on any size business. If you're actually trying to um, not go solo. And you know, that, that's, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. That's really interesting. Gino Whitman. Yeah. Traction. Yep. Um, my company, Semantic Mastery, we've actually started implementing that uh, five quarters ago. So it's been a okay. year and three months. Um, and it was that's kind of where we really discovered how you have to master, not just in like process development, master one thing first, systematize it before moving on. But us as a company, we really were trying to be too many, uh, too many things to too many people as far as training digital marketing. We, Semantic Mastery, used to teach uh, pay-per-click marketing, social media marketing, video marketing, content marketing, SEO, I mean, email marketing, we would teach absolutely everything around the digital marketing space. And it's just been in the last five quarters uh, that we've really zeroed in on being local marketing. Like, mm -hmm. like we, we teach now local marketing and how to get results for local marketing, because I can tell you as the, 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 the lead trainer, um, it was flat out exhausting for me to try to stay up on, on the cutting edge of all these different types of methods and it was, and it was, and you know, I wasn't being as effective as a, as a trainer, as a teacher, as a leader, because I was not getting the results. So again, we, you know, I've learned over the last year and a half, really, that um, to get really good at one thing. And so that, that might start with processes, but also in what you're doing as your business, like what is your primary product or service? Select one. If you've got too many products or services, too many options, too many options leads to indecision or not enough action in any one area. And so we really fine-tuned our message every single quarter we go through the whole traction process we have a weekly um, corporate meeting and we go mm -hmm. we have our rocks and our issue lists and all that stuff mm -hmm. anybody that's read traction will understand what we're talking yeah. about but I think it's a critically important to do that and by the way that's not fun either <laughs> like doing those uh going through those processes on a weekly basis and in quarterly we have our, mm -hmm. our main where we set our next quarterly goal and we do everything in 12-week sprints uh 90-day sprints um that's not fun either. That's a kind of a tedious process and it's flat out mentally exhausting. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of like 
having a business and not writing out a business plan. We all think, oh, we know what we want. But, and we say, oh, no, I know what I want my, with my business. I know exactly how, where I want to take my business and what my goals are. Okay, well, then articulate that on paper. Write it down. And then you see everybody like, oh. <laughs> you know, they stop yeah. and say, well, this, is, this is damn hard. <laughs> you know? It is damn hard. I just went through this exercise. My husband thought I think it was a little bit nuts where all of a sudden Friday night I got supercharged. And I grabbed the big Post-it note boards and I took over my home office. And I'm like, I am going to processize our entire agency and make sure that we have everything going. And by Sunday at two in the morning, I finished. So, you know, those are the types of things though, that business owners, you can't, you get stuck in your day to day and you can't actually during your Monday through Friday, or I can't at least, you know, nine to 6 PM in the daytime, actually pull your head out of the business enough to be able to actually think through these things that you're talking about of figuring out what direction you're going and where you actually need to have more processes developed so that you can scale. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And you know that you just made a point, we get bogged down uh, in the day-to-day grind, right? The daily grind and the minutia of our business. And it's very hard to think at a higher level then because, you know, we're we're stressed out about putting out fires, playing whack-a-mole. And um, so you're right. Sometimes it takes removing yourself. And, you know, I'm also a strong proponent now. I I talked about how I worked 14 hours a day, seven days a week many years ago. But now, I, you know, my weekends, I take them off. Unless there's something absolutely critical that has to be done, I take the weekends off and I decompress. And and I'm telling you, I'm so much more effective Monday through Friday now, really Monday through Thursday, because even Fridays for me are are more lax days. Mm -hmm. Um, But Monday through Thursday, I grind and I grind hard. You know what I mean? But then come thir- Friday, it's more like a half day where I kind of, you know, catch up on things that I wanted to do throughout the week that I didn't get to. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I'm off. <laughs> you know? And I think that's really important. I mean, guys, listen, I totally understand if if you are in a position where you need to work seven days a week because you're struggling financially, or whatever. I get that and do that, you know, do what you have to do. But as soon as you can get to a point where, and, and, and that's what we're talking about here is building processes and systems that will afford you that opportunity, allow you those times to be able, because you're, again, with personnel in place, automation in place, systems and processes, it will allow you to work on your business instead of in your business, because you have the work being done without you being the critical component of all of it. Right. And that's really, that's the key. I mean, especially when you are starting off, you are that critical component, but even when you have been in business for a decade, you're still a critical component when all of a sudden you as a visionary have an idea and you start going on a tangent, you're going to have to go back to square one, build your processes, start scaling, bringing on the right people so that you can add on to that new level of wherever you're taking your company. That's correct. It's absolutely true. Never ends. You're going to have one of those Friday, Saturday, Sunday sessions I just had again sometime in your life. Um, Okay. What else do people need to know? Where can all of this go wrong with processing? Can you over-process? I think so. I think, um, as I mentioned before, when I first started doing all of that and learning how to delegate and building processes uh, and hiring people, I was very rigid in the, you know, mentioning like that I, I didn't want them to veer off course off of what my training said. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something that can go wrong because if you don't allow or empower your workers, your team members to be part of the process and contribute, then that's also demeaning to them, right? Number one. And I think it's critically important to treat your 
employees, no matter what level they're at, very, you know, good. Uh, treat them, respect them and their opinion. Um, now, don't get me wrong. We have a lot of, you know, virtual assistants or contract employees that are, that don't want to contribute. They just want to follow a process and they, they just want to collect a paycheck on a weekly basis. And that's perfectly fine. You know, God bless them. We, we love them and they're, and they're, they're important parts of our business, but we have some that start to surface as the rock stars that really help and try to contribute on a regular and consistent basis and try to streamline things and make things more efficient. And those are perfect candidates, by the way, for promotions to like team leaders or project managers and that kind of stuff. And that's where, um, you know, again, I, I, over time, I learned that my methods might seem the best to me, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the best methods. Sure. And by listening to my employees, there, then a lot of the times they could be, the processes could be improved upon anyways. And so I think, yes, it can, things can be over-systematized or over-processed, especially, again, that comes down to almost micromanaging. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Let go. <laughs> like, that's the important thing I want to get across here is just let go and try to, because if you're always micromanaging, you can never macromanage. You can't think about those higher level things because mm-hmm. you'll be bogged down in those data, you know, the, the daily grind. And so, again, I think that's, that's something that is absolutely critical um, not to overdo it and not to overmanage. Okay. Where do you think technology is taking us to help us with processes, systemization and automation? Well, a couple things. Number one, uh, just like we're talking here on this, um, I can see you via video as well, but you, you know, having the web is amazing. It's made the world a much smaller place and it doesn't matter where anybody is. I can communicate with them in real time. And we all know that Google docs. I f- love Google docs because we can edit the same document simultaneously and I can see in real time what's going on. They can see in real time what's going on. So again, I know there's other tools out there that you could pay monthly subscriptions for that are supposed to streamline all that, but I still use good old Google docs and good old hangouts or Slack or zoom uh, for video communication um, or even text communication for that matter. Um, And then also I think the, the applications out there that can help us automate like IFTTT, for example, which is a critical, uh, that stands for if this, then that. So IFTTT.com, for example, it's free there. They have some paid options, but that's something that you can create a lot of what they call applets, which will allow you to automate things like if this happens, then that, then do that. Right. So that's what IFTTT stands for. And that's actually what my syndication networks were built upon. Um, but then like Zapier, Zapier is a, you know, Zapier.com is a, is another automation platform. That's just amazing. It integrates with just about everything. And depending on what subscription level, you can have these multi-step zaps that you can do. I mean, just absolutely amazing. Again, my, my partner, Adam, he was a systems engineer and he has a zap for everything. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, if, if somebody sneezes, he's got a zap that delivers a, 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 a Kleenex to them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we use HubSpot as a CRM and also as all of our inbound marketing. But then we also use Monday as our project management system for okay. our company. And I realized that we were double dipping and listing things in HubSpot. And that's the worst, that's the bane in my existence. Like if I see our team writing something twice in two different places, I want to find a Zapier for it. I mean, there has to be, I think I might be like Adam a little bit because I have to find a solution or have our team find a solution where it is just stupid in today's day and age where you would enter something, do data entry in one place and then do the same data entry in a second place. It's just insanity. Yeah. Copy paste type stuff. Yes. Yeah. 
Totally agree. So, you know, I think the, the apps that are uh, kind of help us automate stuff and that's getting better. Um, artificial intelligence that's being implemented more and more into apps. For example, um, you know, we do a lot of Google ads. Um, I do for my own agency as well as uh, we do for semantic mastery for growing our audience, <laughs> expanding our reach. And um, like the Google ads platform, for example, has started to build a lot of automation and um, artificial intelligence in there. So they're like, there's automated bidding strategies and things like that. And you know, a year ago, I would have recommended 100% against doing that because I, I've seen budgets get burned through through automating bidding strategies. But now it's incredible. It's gotten so much better. Like I'll go in and manually set up an ads campaign just for the first few weeks to get some data rolling in. And then I'll allow the Google ads platform to suggest the automated bidding strategies. And I'll say, okay, let's try it. And they start, it starts getting better results and spending my money more wisely. You know what I mean? And so I think as we get, you know, we're, we're in what's called the semantic web now. Um, and so there's machine learning mm -hmm. and automated, like I said, uh, artificial intelligence, and that is only getting stronger. It's almost scary. Um, but you know, it's, it's getting better and better to the point yeah. where we can implement those, um, technologies into our business to make, to just improve everything that we do. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Okay. So you've given our listeners so much valuable advice and me so much valuable advice. I can't wait for my team to actually listen to this podcast because awesome. they're going to say, yes, all of Stacy's systems and processes. There's someone else out there in this world who believes in them as strongly as she does and who actually does them a lot better, I think. But how can people learn more? How can they join your whole world, all the offerings that you have, the classes, the tools, the materials? How can people find out more about you? Well, the easiest thing to do would be we set up a welcome page for your audience. It's semanticmastery.com slash marketing mistakes. That's with no hyphen. So again, semanticmastery.com slash marketing mistakes. And really when you go out, land on that page, you'll see that there's, we only offer basically three options, depending on what you want to do. We have a free option, which would be to come join our hump day hangouts. That's our weekly uh, Q&A webinar series that we do every single Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour long. You can post your questions ahead of time and we'll answer them so that you can watch them on the replay if you can't attend live. We absolutely love that. It's been one of my favorite things of all time. Um, we've, you know, we've been doing it for four and a half years now. And we've only missed one Wednesday in four and a half years. And that was a scheduled week off. Um, so it's, it, you know, my whole team loves it. We really, really do enjoy that very much. It gives us, you know, that has, that has helped us to grow immensely. And we like to give back for an hour every week and, and engage with our audience members, whether they're paying members or not, it doesn't matter. Um, so we really enjoy that. So that's at hump, hump day hangouts is option one. Um, we also have what we developed a, a, a duplicatable process for getting results for web, for, for, for web properties. So for getting results from digital assets, as a local business or as, a, as an affiliate marketer, whatever the case may be, and that's called our battle plan. So that's a very inexpensive product that you can purchase, which is a PDF guide that has all of these step-by-step -step processes on how to get results, as well as links to resources. We have a um, store where we, we provide done-for-you services for a lot of our methods. So there's links in the PDF that takes you to our store mm -hmm. to recommended products and services. Um, and then lastly, we have our master, Semantic Mastery Mastermind, which is our top-level uh, basically mastermind group with a lot of other savvy business owners and digital marketers that are, you know, from lead generation companies to um, SEO agencies, to digital marketing agencies and to other business owners. And that is our top level coaching program. So again, when you land on that page, the welcome page for marketing mistakes, you'll see that, you know, just choose which door is best for you. That's awesome. That's a lot of very valuable information and tools, whether they are free or cost a little dollar. 
here and there, but I have a feeling based on our conversation that they're all extremely valuable in what they give. So you seem to be a very giving person. So thank you for that. Thank you. And then are there any last words of advice you have for our listeners today? Yeah. And I just want to reiterate what I said about, and and I've learned this over my career now of nine years in the digital, but you know, as I was an entrepreneur in other spaces prior to digital marketing, and I've learned over the course of my career that don't overwhelm yourself, really figure out what it is that you want to do about, you know, if you're, if you're interested in digital marketing, for example, find one thing that you desire that you have an interest in whether it's YouTube ads or SEO or content, whatever that may be, web design, get really good at that first. Don't try to overwhelm. As an entrepreneur, you're going to think the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. You're going to be bombarded with opportunity all the time, and you're going to recognize opportunity as an entrepreneur, and you'll want to chase that shiny object syndrome type stuff. And don't do it because it will distract. The, the quickest way to get traction in any business is to uh, focus in on one thing until you get really good at it. And then like I, like we've been talking about um, process, you know, turn it, systematize it, build processes around it to remove yourself from the process as much as possible so that then you can start working on growing or expanding into other areas as well. Do it one at a time and that's how you're going to grow your business the quickest and, and build the most stable business too. Right. So until everything can actually be done by someone else, you pretty much are holding back your business from growing. Correct. And that's hard, I think, for a lot of business owners to truly grasp and understand. It was a hard thing for me to grasp and understand. But when you see the light, it's just so freeing. It's just unbelievable. It is. Well, Bradley, thank you so much for your time today. I know, again, I got a lot of value from it. I know our listeners are going to get a lot of value from it. So appreciate the time you spent with us. And for all of our listeners, we will chat again this next podcast. And until then, have a great week.